Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And it's been announced that you are the man that's going to lead us on from here. Congratulations. How, how does that feel? Uh, it's a privilege. You know, it's, it's been my privilege to manage the club once, but... To do the second time, I feel like I've come sort of full circle again. It was always an objective. I left the club on good terms the last time, and nothing's changed. You know, it's been a, a roller coaster couple of months. You know, I hope I bring a lot more success to the club going forward. This week, Celtic are back and so are we. It's the return of TMT as we discuss pre-season preparation, European qualification and all the latest transfer news and rumours. Bring on nine in a row. Hello and welcome back to the 20 Minute Tim's Celtic Fans Podcast. I am joined again this week after the summer holidays um, by Martin Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Good to be back. It is, we are back. When was the last podcast we've done? End well, of May. End of May for the, the iTunes crowd. Yeah, that's right. Melly, how have you enjoyed, how, well, have you enjoyed your break from Celtic podcast? And obviously, you're still keeping one eye on everything Celtic, naturally. Yeah, it's been all right. I wish Celtic would do more stuff for me. <laughs> do more stuff, Celtic. I, I think that's kind of how I feel about it, Stephen. Just do do more stuff. You, Stephen, you've been keeping an eye on the Celtic pre-season stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to agree with Melly. Just do do more stuff. Just generally be a bit more active. More yeah. goals, more players, more things <laughs> like that. Um, I say keep an eye on it. We've been doing more than I keep an eye on it. As people know by now, we offer a very fine Patreon service. Yes. Um, for those who don't know what Patreon is... 
he must have been living under a rock by now. <laughs> um, it is a subscription service where, in exchange for supporting our podcasts, we give you lovely people some brilliant extra content. Loads of it, in fact, yeah. There has been an awful lot. All killer, no filler on it, <laughs> um, as they say. Yeah. What is it, 24 podcasts on the Patreon since we've done our last one? Yeah, that's just since we last recorded a Monday night podcast. Yeah, 24. Um, it's just, it's constant these days. We're, we're hammering out that extra golden content out there we've been having things like the O'Neill years which has been on which everyone loves which is our in-depth documentary on Martin O'Neill's time as Celtic manager Um, we've had some great guests on TMT Extra Time with Sean McDonald had award winning comedians Susie McCabe we've had Darren Connell both of who have got shows at the Edinburgh Festival so yeah if you're looking for for something to watch at the festival check the podcast out go check those guys out we've had the history boys abroad nobody does Celtic history better no, definitely not. Uh, they're absolute specialists. Aye. And the work they put in at those podcasts, extraordinary. Yeah. And uh, obviously, having a rank, Melly, <laughs> the surprise favourite. Oh, Everyone absolutely loves it. It is a, a runaway hit, the having a rank. Tom is still, to this day, not quite sure how it's going over because he doesn't want to read any of the feedback whatsoever <laughs> in, case, in case he's getting a doing for it. But it's, it's probably... One of the most popular things that is associated with us. Yeah. And we do actually, we do get a lot of positive feedback on the yeah. stuff that we put on the Patreon. People are very happy with it. Um, Stephen, do you want to get, how does the Patreon work exactly? Well, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash 20 minute times where all the details are there. But I would urge you, you're missing out. You're missing out if you're not on, no, not getting right. down with the Patreon by now. And it's all merely about the price, monthly price of a pint. Yep. Well, you can't really get a pint for that. No, you can't get a pint for that these no. days, no. You probably actually no, can't. Can. Definitely not, no. Depends what you drink. <laughs> a decent boozer, you'll not get a pint for this. Um, Celtic have had a pre-season. We've had our pre-season. This is us. Up to this, match fitness, match sharpness. This technically is still pre-season for us. It's it's really about getting getting minutes into the vocal cords here and all that. <laughs> minutes just, into your yeah. throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a troubling image that is. But, let um, me just, let's just slide some minutes into your throat, Steve. <laughs> yes. I've been doing some extra work with my own special coach, not coach Right, Crumbs, right, off your own dime. Yeah. yeah. A bit like uh, Mikey Johnson's yes. been um, Stephen, Celtic had a pre-season. Uh, they played Wiener, SC. <laughs> Tee not, not a real football team. FC Gallen. Um, Heard them. Yeah, they were a football team. And Rens, they also played FC Gallen under-21s. But, I mean, that's basically a pub team. We're not really going to talk too much about mm. that. Celtic's collective three pre-season games have seen us win 2-1 against Wiener away, a 0-0 draw against FC Gallen, and a 0-0 draw against Rens. Which of those three stunning, spectacular <laughs> fixtures grabbed you the most? See, I tried to watch the Wren game. Uh, I couldn't make it, but I tried to watch it later on that night. You can't stand the Wren. <laughs> I can't stand the Wren. Um, but it was... Uh, I tried to watch it at the time. But I tuned into Celtic TV, who were very kindly giving us an audio description of the game. There was no, there was what, no what, video like commentary. Yeah, so like commentary. old-fashioned day commentary. Over friendly. <laughs> yeah, Celtic TV. You didn't <laughs> buck up your <laughs> ideas. <laughs> but yeah, so there was that. But the the visual aspect of it was just the Twitter. So it was like a, the Twitter feed, and you oh. could listen to the commentary. So that was no use. So that sounds um, terrible. I tried to watch it later on that night because I, I thought, no, I'm not not doing anything. I'll check out. Uh, the the Wrens game because got a couple of new signings in there. Everyone's dead excited this time of year. Brutal stuff, absolutely brutal stuff. The 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 quintessential preseason friendly. Melly, did you enjoy the Wren game? You were at it, yeah? No, no, no. Is what you're asking, Melly? Is I want to know. Have you ever seen the Wren? Have you? <laughs> yeah. 
Why does it always rain on me, Melly? We could go all day. Oh right? dear, let's not. Let's, no. let's draw a line under that. Right, go. No, no. I watched the Wiener Schnitzel game and... Oh. Is that with the S and Wiener SC stands for? It was a Saturday. I'm sure it was a Saturday night. Watched it. And I always say, I'm not going to watch these friendlies because every year I say they're terrible. It's just boring. And I fell asleep during it. So that was me done for pre-season. The thing is, see, pre-season friendlies, they're not spectator things no. like they're, they're not really designed to be shown that normally in the pre-social media age and and round the, the clock coverage of football teams would just go away and play these games and you would hear about them in the paper you don't you're not under any sort of compulsion to sit and watch them but we feel the need to these yes, days but because we do a podcast <laughs> yeah um what what they did give us Melly and Stephen they gave us an insight into Neil Lennon's team potentially how, mm. how that might shape and how that might line up one thing I did take away from the pre-season was there's not as many changes as perhaps you would like to see not as many new bodies admittedly mm. it was quite early but key for me not as many goals yeah um which is unusual because we did play two up front in a couple of those games yeah. and you know what two up front means Stephen more goals Melly that's right <laughs> in 1995 but um yeah I, again I just don't I don't want to I'm reluctant to read too much into pre-season because it's just it's not real, yeah. as I say. They're not designed to be watched. They're not. They, they shouldn't really be be pulled over too much. It's really just about getting no, that old cliche about getting getting the fitness up and and so on. But sh- but should it be because you know this is Neil Lennon. He was appointed manager under a bit of a cloud, definitely with a point to prove. You're coming up against basically two daddy teams in rain at Parkhead, especially that rain game. That was his first. First game at home as manager, yeah. albeit a pre-season friendly. You want to show something, Melody, do you not? Even in these pre-season games. You do, but it's difficult with such a just disjointed team. You're making changes. There's players coming back at different times because of the international games they played before. So it was a bit all over the place, a bit stop-start. I don't really bother about it, to be honest. There's been a few games where we've won, but Martin O'Neill's first pre-season friendly, we get scudded by Bordeaux at home. Yeah, didn't we? Right. 4-2 mm-hmm. and then played them. Uh, competitively later in the season fared much better so I don't think it really means much both teams are making lots of changes it's just as Stephen says to get minutes in the legs the biggest disappointment is you bring in three players and Shred Bio Lewis Morgan come back all these guys coming back and uh, that's why you're watching these games to see new players and to see what these guys who we signed that we're just getting in yeah. are all about and Bio get injured Shred get injured Julian's only played in the Wren game, yeah. Luca Connell the same, and Mboli only played in one of the games before the competitive game started. So it just felt like all this excitement because there was new players coming in and it just got wee injuries and wee niggles meant we didn't really get to see as much as the most we would hope. Now, joking aside, I know we talk about how, how pointless and boring they are and all that, but they, they are worth tuning into for the likes of new signings. Yeah. The likes of Luca Connell came in with a decent reputation, but we hadn't. You know, we had to admit we hadn't really seen him play, although he had featured a bit in first-team action for Bolton. It's a chance to get to see exactly what kind of player he is, rather than just you know, watching maybe YouTube channels, get to see how he moves, how he takes the ball, how mm. he moves it on, that kind of thing. It is worth watching for that kind of thing, if not for you know, pulsating action, really, at the end of the day. Did anyone, anyone the new signings, anyone catch your eye pre-season? Does it have to be a new signing? Anyone look as if they got a new lease of life under Neil Lennon? Lewis Morgan was the closest yeah, one really. to that. Uh, he seemed to have featured in the two Sarajevo games as well. He's done well in the bits I've seen him. Still 
Not sure where he's best on the left or the right. Probably looks best on the right, which is a bit of a... It's no the best news because we really need somebody on the left. Yeah. But he's done well, came in and he's an able, able deputy to Forrest. But I think Shred played in behind the striker a couple of times. So be interesting to see if that's something going forward as well or he's going to be out in the right. Were you surprised, Stephen, seeing so much Lewis Morgan in pre-season? I mean, Melly said he looks like an able deputy for... James Forrest, but he seems to take he seems to have taken Sinclair's mantle a wee bit, especially into Sarajevo games. Yeah, Sinclair. We talked a little bit about this in the the Patreon content over the summers that Sinclair is in danger of becoming of fast becoming the the kind of forgotten man of the squad because in all the transfer window podcasts we've been doing, we've barely mentioned the guy, and it it, it is fallen so far behind these I guys. I don't get it. To yeah. be honest with you, I don't get it. Mickey Top scorer three years in a row. Have you seen, have you seen <laughs> yeah. him? Mental. You see him around the guy. He's shredded. Yeah. Wesley Snipes in his prime. <laughs> the, the Mickey Johnson thing uh, is understandable because he has been very good and he scored um, a, a key goal already in the competitive games. But for him to have fallen behind the likes of your, not not so much Fed because he's really just been tried out in preseason. We don't really know if his full status yet as a, a first team squad member. But to have fallen behind Lewis Morgan already is is alarming for Scott Sinclair. Um, Lewis Morgan has been good. I, I'm pleasantly surprised by it because I think a lot of us were in the same boat where he came in, tried a wee bit too hard to impress at times and then went straight out on loan. And usually that's a red flag for a Celtic yeah. player to come in at his age and then be sent out on loan. But it, just, it looks like he's maybe just been been cast aside by Brendan Rodgers, really, at the time. He came in and... It's a game we'll, we'll talk about, but I think he was really impressive when he came on against Sarajevo in the home leg. He made a made a real difference. It was another disappointment as well. Mikey Johnson was probably a player I'd pick out at the start of the yeah. pre-season games, but obviously he picked up a wee knock in uh, Sarajevo, so he hasn't featured in the second leg. So it just seems a wee bit, these wee, wee injuries are cropping up, which is understandable because of the lack of yeah. break the players have had. So we moved away from the pre-season, as you says. It was good to see some of the new guys, yeah. see what we could garner from the Lennon Celtic team. My takeaway from it was, I think we, we kind of struggled for goals a bit, maybe understandable as Neil Lennon's using these games to figure out his best side. I thought maybe Neil Lennon was struggling to figure out how to use Callum McGregor a wee bit in the, in the pre-season games. Um, but we moved on to the Sarajevo match that we mentioned, the more serious stuff, the first leg um, of the, the Champions League, a match and a round, frankly, Melly, that's Celtic should have no part in. No, but of all the teams we've played in this round over the last couple of years, Sarajevo were by far the best team. Oh yeah, definitely. They were pretty good. Dreadful, dreadful conditions. Pitch didn't look great either. And when Sarajevo managed to take that lead, you're thinking, oh no, not again. (laughs) But we got a hold of the match after that and as soon as we got the equaliser, an absolute peach from Mikey Johnson. Three great goals in that yeah, game. Yeah, seemed to settle down and they didn't know how to play at all. So it was all it was all good. Stephen, early rounds of the Champions League for Celtic mean one thing. Near bit on its centre <laughs> half. <laughs> yeah, you can set your watch by it. It's, it's near bit on month. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. And as we've joked before, it's, like, it's an absolute cert that Celtic will turn up to these rounds with an absolutely patchwork, bordering on incompetent and negligent defence. It is, it is negligent. Yeah, it's, and it's no different this year. The defence that went into the the away leg in particular, the home leg was, I mean, that was patchwork as well, let, let's face it. But If you want me to quickly run through the team for the away leg, if you're at all interested, yes. it's Bain, Jozo, Biton. Mm. Scott Brown, Ryan Christie, Mikey Johnson, Odson Edward, 
Mbombo, Ayer, McGregor and James Forrest. And if you're wondering why I read them like that, it was numerical Numerical value. order, right, yes. okay. Uh, yeah, the the defence, near Beton coming back. I thought he was okay in the first leg. I thought um, near Beton, I've got no problem with if the game is in front of him and he can just pick out passes here and there, playing as a sort of a sort of sweeper, almost like a kind of free roll at the back, yeah. a kind of just a, a deep line midfielder rather than an out-and-out centre-back pairing, one of mm. one of the two of those. I don't really like him as that, but I don't have any problems with him until it comes to the 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 meat and, the meat and potatoes of defending. Yeah. I don't think he's a particularly good defender. Uh, at times, playing at centre-half, he has looked like he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Yeah. And that's, I have sympathy with him for that because... He's not centre-half. No, he's not at centre-half and he's barely played at centre-half. He's barely played football in the last year and now he's come back. Played a wee bit towards the end of last season in midfield and now he's been shunted back into def- central defence. I'm not blaming him at all for it. I just don't think he is a centre-half and he's never going to be that, you know, the Mascherano. He's never yeah. going to be that midfielder that we put back in defence and he's going to be comfortable there. I, I don't see it. Perfectly happy for Beton to still be in and around the squad. I'm in no hurry to get rid of him. But the thing is, with Beton, I would like for him to to be something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'd like for him to be more than the guy who's still in the squad and you kind of forget about him when he comes in, plays six or seven okay games towards the end of the season when you're struggling a wee bit. I want him to, to make a telling contribution this season. Well, I saw him referred to in a, in a match report as Celtic utility man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you I don't thought, want that. I yeah. says at your age... The last thing you want to be is referred to as a, a utility yeah, absolutely. man. Yeah, it was yesterday, Sunday, a wee bit, a wee lazy day. Played some football manager with Celtic, qualified for the Champions League. Oh, like so. Oh. And yeah, uh, watched uh-huh. the This Is How It Feels DVD and the Astana away game. Oh, <laughs> near. Yeah. That was absolutely catastrophic. And to think that was two years ago, we've had how many windows since then and mm. we've still not addressed this defence. Well, kind of with Julian, but to think that the defence is even worse than it was yeah. back then is pitiful. See, when I saw that game, though, the Sarajevo lineup, I thought, and especially the home leg, I thought, this is what Neil, Le- Neil Lennon is good at a couple of things as a manager. Right? We'll talk about that in a minute. I thought one of the things Neil Lennon is good at is... Building a team out of bric-a-brac. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Finding players that don't necessarily belong in positions and shoehorning them in and getting them a, a game out of them. Like I thought the role that he found Ayer in that, was it a three-man defence? He was kind of like a holding right back. You know, he never really went up the pitch. He tucked no. in a wee bit from time to time. need that with... Mbole, with Mbole, yeah, he coming back for no. day. <laughs> he was at number ten at times <laughs> during that game. So I thought well, I was watching that. I thought, oh, God, well, Neil Lennon's found a wee a wee shape here that works with with what he's got. Well, like, here we are. Uh, we are a couple of days out from the fiftieth anniversary of the moon landing. And are you saying that Neil Lennon, the strides he has taken in his time as Celtic manager, are even more impressive <laughs> than those first steps onto the moon? <laughs> yes, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I. Is this the new little Stephen Gerrard? Yeah. Who wrote that? that Gary Ralston. Oh, yeah. Gary, right, Gary. Okay. No relation to Tony. <laughs> um, so Celtic got a, a pretty good result as far as we're all concerned in Sarajevo. Yeah, it was good. Good to come back, get the three goals and settle it down. As Stephen said, three decent goals. But I was just looking at the Sarajevo lineup. and you think, oh, maybe it's three at the back and that could work. Because he had Ayer, Julian and... Simonovic, that's decent. And then you can have Forrest and Mboli on the flanks. But it just seems like the squad's so disjointed because really I'm looking at the team and thinking, if anywhere on the pitch, if we get one injury, 
we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we've no. got all these wingers, but I'm thinking three five two might look good. If we're going to play two up front, we've only got three strikers, none of whom are available all the time, and that's yeah. due to injury. If James Forrest does all right at wing-back, but he's better further forward, and if James Forrest doesn't play, there's nobody else at well, all. It's strange. I think at the end of last season, we were all advocating for a, a clear-out, a massive squad clear-out, mm. but the thing is, with that comes a huge deficit in the squad. We we need to replace these players with better ones. And the lack of the incomings so far, and I, I do accept that it's still early, has left the squad awful light. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. In fact, we will talk about that. I promise <laughs> you, you we will talk about that. Um, Celtic scored three goals in the game, Melly. Mikey Johnson. Peach. Screamer. Uh, absolute thunder bastard. Pick of, the, pick of the goals for you. I'd think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Odds on Edward as well, Stephen, coming up with the goods, picking up exactly where he left off last season. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, further enhancing his re- reputation as the, the main guy, in my opinion, at Celtic. I, I, would, I wouldn't I would argue too strongly against Mikey Johnson because it was so aesthetically pleasing, yep. but I, th- I thought Edward's goal was outstanding as well. It was a nice build-up to it, and a lovely wee cut through from, from Forrest. Scott Brown, having tidied up the, the breakaway and given yep. it to Forrest and Edward, so patient with that, he just waited for the right time. Defenders throwing themselves at his at his feet, and he, he picks his spot, and that's exactly what Edward does for Celtic. He turns up in the big moments. The, the guy's just so composed yeah. for a player yeah. that young. I, I struggle to remember a Celtic striker that's so composed, so assured of himself when he's through one-on-one, especially for the age and maturity of it. There's a lot of players that go through one-on-one. Lee Griffiths is one of them. That's when he's at his worst, probably, when he's got time to think. But Edward just confidence to know exactly what he's doing. And you've seen that when he talked about the penalty against Hearts when he said, I knew I was scoring. Love him. Edward, I think he almost never lets you down if it's one-on-one. I think the only times Edward ever fails in possession is when he's expected to do much uh, to do too much dribbling. If he's not been supported in the right yeah. manner, he, he maybe takes on one or two players too many and loses the ball, maybe dribbles into some shins, but one-on-one, the goal gaping, as mm. it were. Um, he's, he's, I, f- I found Neil Lennon sort of focused him a bit more. Yeah, You know, he's, he seems to be more the, the, a central nine melee than coming in from the, the wide areas. I think it looks like Neil Lennon's had a wee, a wee chat with him. Yeah, I think if we're going to do well this season, our best best way to go about it is to try and get the best out of Edward, and that is not whipping crosses in, it's trying to find through balls with him. The thing I worry about with him is I don't want to get so reliant on him for mm. goals again because it's going to put a lot of pressure on him and when we speak about Scott Sinclair and being out the team maybe he doesn't contribute all the time but what he does guarantee you is goals yeah. he will get mm. you goals and see if we're taking Scott Sinclair out of the team if he's not Lennon's cup of tea that's fine but you need to replace those still goals still fine by me but it's not fine by me either but we need to replace those goals and we haven't brought an MD that's going to do that so until we do Scott Sinclair should be in there. And we've seen that comes on and another lovely wee back heel from the man himself. Superbly his account. Of, yeah. One of 30 so far. <laughs> uh, Superbly bit of imp- improvisation. I think a lot of players would have been tempted to hold that up instead yep. of instead of just getting it right out from under his feet. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. And uh, a good wee confidence boost, hopefully, because what we often see with Scott Sinclair is he's a bit of a confidence player yep. at times. But... <laughs> Having said that, he didn't he didn't keep his place, or he didn't get his place rather than the second leg. It's all in the haircut, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, thankfully, I mean he's over thirty now. Kind of kind of be cutting about with that brush thing. Yeah. <laughs> brush. <laughs> uh, final word on this particular match: balling goalie and bombo. 
made his competitive debut. Yep. Um, Ellie, you sort of touched on it about him not coming back. Something that Neil Lennon touched on in the home leg as well about how his hmm. defensive capabilities were a bit. What was it? Neil Lennon was asked, did you give Bowley all that freedom to go forward or something like that? And not Neil really. Lennon says, not really. <laughs> uh, how do you think Bowley shapes up at, at left back compared to our beloved? Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, I think I'm fully on board. But I can see why people would be the complete opposite and think he's absolutely right. <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be an in-between. I mm. think it's either going to be a 9 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10 from him. We might have an absolute peach of a game from him and then he could cost us three goals in another <laughs> game. Then the, in the home leg, um, if we move on to that, that's, uh, I thought he was very shaky. But I don't... I'm not using it to cast any judgments on it whatsoever. It's one game after all. And I think he maybe just got a wee bit carried away with the occasion, with that, mm. that big crowd and all that. And I thought he was trying too hard to impress, hence the fact that he was basically playing as a, a left winger or even kind of just drifting about in the number 10 positions at times, every time the ball. If I was to have one negative over this game, it was that Celtic were opened up really easily oh, on the counter-attack. Yeah. yeah, I thought Sarajevo, in fairness to them, as we've already mentioned, I thought they were a cut above the likes of your Alishkerts and all that. They're just, the, the teams for this very specific level, I thought they were a pretty decent team. They're not Barcelona by any means, but they're a, a decent team for that level. Um, and I thought they broke really well against Celtic, had a couple of decent skillful players, but Celtic were very open when it came to that thing. And every time that happened, I would look up and Bolly would be you know, in the number 10 position and just not making any attempt to get back. Um, it was a little bit shaky defensively and had a couple of wild shots that looked like it was a, a dug playing football. Uh, but I'm perfectly happy to wait and, and see how he set was in. I think he just needs, as we said, a wee bit of, a wee bit of a talking to from the manager. I think that was the, the main takeaway from the game. We got the result in the end. Ryan Christie, another great goal, sort of settled it down. But Ryan Christie, I think if he keeps hitting the two games, with competitive games we've seen, what a difference yeah, that boy makes to the team, the drive and energy. He was absolutely brilliant in the second leg. But it's just, I, I worry about the midfield as well a bit in Europe because that midfield, we mentioned it on Melly the match, that the fact that when we get caught, and our midfield seemed pretty open and it left a lot of space and we the left back flying forward as well. We are very open, so it might be the case that we we severely need a right back. But right now, having the back three where the right back has to sit is probably the best thing right yeah. now. I think uh, you're right. Bowley to me terrifies me um, a wee bit against. You know, I can just see him costing us a lot of goals against really good European opposition. Mm. You know, there's nothing. Look. The guy's been in the country a month. He has no idea how Celtic Barely want to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that'll all get that will all get wound in. He seems decent enough. He of seems course. like he got injured in the first leg as well, so he's right. barely trained. But just to, just to finish off on what Melly was saying there, I think it, a problem is the corners. Now we've blethered on about corners on this podcast for seasons now, but I think it's going to be a problem going forward if we're so open on and vulnerable to counter attacks if we are hitting pish corners and everyone's forward and it's only the guys like Bowley that are back and I think it'd be maybe prudent to until we get that defence fixed in the midfield tightened up a wee bit to maybe just try and keep possession at corners rather than flinging them into the box and not getting anywhere with them so um, yeah other than that I, th- I thought that Celtic really handled the ties pretty well yeah, g- yeah, given the circumstances did, did. I mean as Melly said it's probably the most difficult team we could have gotten yeah, in that draw yeah. I mean they were a standard of I 
a good SPL side, SPFL side, I'd say they were like maybe, you know, I, I think they would have put the likes of Aberdeen out without much, oh, without yeah, much trouble, you know. I mean, look at as just as a, an aside here, Scottish teams in Europe are just are genuinely embarrassing these yeah. days. Apart from, and I don't know, Celtic are capable of um, a, a poor result on their own, but come on, can we, can we try and help us out here? Well, it's, it's funny you should mention that because actually, even though Kilmarnock suffered the most embarrassing loss yeah. that they could probably ever have suffered. And by the way, I was tweeting about it from a personal account last week, but if that manager sees Halloween, <laughs> if that manager sees Halloween, like, I don't get much ITK, but you can just tell, right. and, and someone was talking to me last week, if he sees Halloween, I will eat my own hair. <laughs> eat this microphone. I, um Scottish team's got their highest ever collection of coefficient points. Really? Yeah. Yes, because everyone won home and away, apart from Kamarnock, who lost only one game. Yeah, no well. that, That's the highest number of coefficient points for a number of years so Celtic do progress on to the next round where they can play Nome Kaljou from Estonia Stephen you and I played the guessing game of how far away it was <laughs> that's right, yeah. um, 1998 miles Melly. Um again shouldn't pose any problem for us well it should they, they should technically be better in Sarajevo given that it's the, yeah, around the way it works but, but that's not necessarily how it works out with that I think Sarajevo were an unusually good team for, for that round. And I think Celtic, as I say, handled it very professionally and, and just got the job done. One or two hiccups along the way and conceded two really unnecessary goals. But as far as um, Nomi Kildew go, uh, yeah, if Celtic don't get past, I mean, it's a big cliche, if they don't get past these teams, they don't deserve to be yes. in the Champions League in the first place. But it's beyond that. And I don't want to look beyond Nomi Kildew. I think it's going to get very tricky. I think. And I don't imagine an away tie to Estonia is going to be a walk in the park. No, no, probably I mean, not. It might be. Yeah. It might be. I, I, don't, I don't want to look past these teams, um, but based purely on the fact that they've got a kind of slightly funny name, I've never heard of them. But it's like, I think with Celtic's problems in recruitment and I don't want to say problems in recruitment because again it's still very early we've still got plenty Doesn't of time matter, yeah, we've still got time to get things sorted but I feel like the walls are closing in a wee bit and the walls are closed mate yeah the, the one or two things that showed up in the first round they're going to become more glaring the, the higher the opposition and I don't think we're going to get away with the likes of as we say near Beaton and defence and Christopher Iyer as sitting as like a like a beanpole at right back, not being able to get forward and Bolly showing ill discipline. I think these things have got to get sorted in very soon because the fi- fixtures are coming thick and fast already. It's almost like it sneaks up on us every year. These these ones, you know what I mean? Now, I, I would fully expect to get past Nomi Kaldu. Next up is FC Cluj or Maccabi Tel Aviv. Hmm. Probably, again, a more difficult tie. Probably, the, rightly, the most difficult right. tie we've faced. Cluj. Obviously managed by Dan Petrescu, my oh, yeah. Chelsea legend. Chelsea legend Dan Petrescu has had one historic result in Scotland before. Hmm. He, was, yeah. he was a it manager. Wasn't, it wasn't with Cluj, but was it? Was he not with somebody else? It was with Unaria Uzercheni. Oh, I think I that's that how you pronounce it. Oh, of course. When they beat Walter Smith's Rangers <laughs> 4-1, he was the manager. Right. Not really kicked on for there, not thanks no. to Cluj. But did Cluj, Cluj have a bit of dough a couple of years ago? They got quite far, didn't they? Uh, I think they got quite far. They're one of these teams who have, you know, they've kind of replaced the likes of your Rosenborgs and Olympiacos and all that as kind of perennial, almost European contenders. I don't mean in terms of winning anything, but they're the kind of name that floats around from from year to year now. They're kind of a, they're a, they're a known team now. Um, they put out a Stana in the last round. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And um, I really hope it is Cluj um, because I can't be bothered with a, 
an Israeli team no. in the next Why? round? No, because I, I just I can't remember with the circus that's going to come with it. I, I thought it, you were being anti-Semitic there. No, no, no. I think it's, it's going to be a thing that's going to be highly tense and politicised and I can't be bored with the circus. I'm not having a go at that aspect of it. I just don't want it to turn into yet another... A press circus. Yes, a as, press as circus and yet another chance to have a go at Celtic over over the what will inevitably come from yeah. a tie within the It's Israeli almost team. like they know, the press know what's coming. They've yeah. rubbed their hands and they go oh this is going to give us yes. pages and pages of coverage. And I frankly CBA with it so give us clues please. We'll take clues. Melly? Oh, clues is a tough ask. I think if don't worry, write off uh, no me yet but I think we've already done it yeah, haven't we that's exactly what we've <laughs> done we skipped right over them and went to Cluj but we'd be expecting to beat them first leg at home hopefully we can get a couple of goal we'd go out there we the thing are well I was going to say worry the thing that petrifies me right now is right now we've bought a centre half mm. weeks ago who's not even ready to play no in the first okay. qualifiers do we just chuck him in playing what forty five? Was it a half he got against Rennes? Yeah. And this into the the second round, the third round's going to be harder. I think if we get Cluj, they'll have played five or six games by the time the first game in the league, the first comes around, and we still need other players. So when are we going to get time to get these guys in? It's too late. I know it's the it's the tricky part of every Celtic summer these days. It's really I do sympathise with the club. I I, I know. We'd all like things to just be like clockwork and as soon as the season finishes, the, the targets we've been working on for weeks and months and they've all been identified, the, the groundwork has been done, they just come rolling straight in the door. But I don't sympathise with the club. No. No, I don't. I've been giving us a lot of thought ahead of tonight's podcast, actually. Sort of talk to myself in the car as you do. <laughs> um, Melly, Stephen, how happy are you with Celtic's transfer business? The incomings, Christopher Julian at seven million, Luca Connell for a handful of change, and Bowley and Bongo for three million, ten million spent on the board. How happy? A, B, C, or D? Give it a high school grade, Melly. A being the, the top dog. Yeah, he, he done well at school, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. A B, C minus, Stephen. Oh, ouch, Stephen. Um, well, what, what are you asking me here? Are you asking me about the level of player or, or the... Just how impressed are you at just, the moment with the business we've done so far? Yeah, because I suppose it's different questions to say how how impressed am I with those players and, and you know, specifically those players rather than... Go with than, the business first. Yeah, rather than like how much business I expected to be done because mm. those are two different things. I'm quite happy with the level of player on the surface of things, yep. but I would rather have more in yep. at this point and it really... I think we were maybe lulled into a bit of a false sense of security with it because those things happened quite quickly and all in the space of maybe a few days, these three players yeah. came in and nothing's really happened since and it's all gone a bit quiet in terms of rumours. But in terms of the three players that have come in, just just in the surface of things, you get a £7 million centre-half who's played at a very high level, happy with that. In both him and in Bombo's cases, they're both established footballers. We're not, yeah. We can dispel the notion that they're in any way a project or anything like that. They, these guys are ready-made players to come into the first team. Connell, I'm not I'm not really concerned over at the moment. I don't really see him playing an awful lot. So in terms of the level of recruitment, probably a B at the moment. Um, but I'll, but, I'll the amount, but the amount of recruitment is, yeah. I would go well, with C minus. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of red flags for me, right? And I, you know how I like my red flags <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. So I'm just going to lay them all out for you. Okay, first red flag uh, concerns Christopher Julien. Hmm. Now, I'll just be negative here, right? I'm not going to be dick advocate. I'm just going to be negative. Christopher Julien, 26-year-old centre-half, playing for Toulouse. 
7 million quid. I'm not sure if good 7 million pound 26 year olds exist because he's not young enough to sell on and he's not fully established. Otherwise, he'd be a lot more money than that. But we can park that argument for a second. Um, Bolly and Bombo, um, as we can just call him this podcast, 3 million quid left back. Fair enough, as we've said. Looks a decent sign and we all agree he's not as good as Kieran Tierney. It looks like Kieran Tierney's going to go anyway. We probably have to get rid of him. My main issue with these two players is when we didn't sign anyone over the last two windows, the story we were told was, well, because Brendan's leaving. Mm. We don't want to sign anyone. We don't want to invest in a manager who's leaving. right? Yeah. Which was a fair enough argument at the time. We signed these two guys and Neil Ennis says, well, we've been looking at them for months. Mm. So these were scouted and identified whilst Brendan Rodgers was at the club and we just chose not to buy them last year even though we needed them. Right back. We need two right backs. Yes. Now, I, th- I think Lennon has sort of hinted as much now that he's aye. looking for two, yeah. Where are they? I don't know. Where are, don't tell me it's difficult to get a right back because we just went out and bought a left back. There's nothing special about the guy that plays on the other side. So we I need think to unfortunately, get... the, the right backs thing, I think we're, we're getting a bit of a reality check with those ones because all of the targets, and I know everyone says stay away from the English market, I think the all of the realistic targets that seemed like it at the time we've been gazumped to yeah. all of them um, I think there was Tommy Smith yeah that's true okay. there was James wasn't there yeah and the two guys from Luton Stacey, as well yeah who all yeah Stacey who they all got reasonable moves and probably and better wages up, probably better money rates Fine. so I think we've we've been gazumped with those ones a good old fashioned tabloid yep. term I'm just I'm just not sure why things are still so slow um, yeah. I, I think as you, as you touched on earlier on Millie we are one injury away now for going out of the Champions League. That's mm-hmm. how it sits because if Edouard gets injured, then, you know, it was great to see Lee Griffiths back. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really good to see. It was great that he got that ovation. It obviously meant an awful lot to him, which was the point of it, and it's good to see the guy back. But he's not ready for Champions League football at the moment. And Bombo appears to be our only fit left back, so he can't get injured. We have no right backs. They can't get injured. If we get a midfielder, there's nobody... So we're, well, we're really... Just to, just to pick you up, Mbombo already has got injured. Yeah. I know it was very minor, but he ha- already has been injured. So we were almost at the point where we were turning up to the home leg with a defence of Ayer, Beton, Semenovic, and Hayes. <laughs> that would have been the back four for that game had Mbombo not made it back. And that's so. These yeah. are the these are the we don't seem to be learning. And we went out and bought Christopher Julian for seven million quid. But as we keep saying on this podcast, transfer fees are an illusion. (laughs) So if he cost £500,000, I think people would be kicking up. I think this big, massive £7 million payout is is keeping a lid on things. And I don't think we've done the business we should be doing. That was probably the case with Jozo at the time as well. Because I think the the reported fee for that was £5.5 or something at the time. And I think everyone got quite excited in in that sort of... It tends to placate people a wee bit if you if it looks like you're spending a lot of money. I do I agree with what you're saying there about the the slightly unusual fee for a guy like Julian because I'm not concerned about um not justifying it and then being able to make money on it because if he's been sold the Van, the, the Virgil Van Dijk journey, i.e. you come in here and play for two years and if you're good enough we'll we'll move you on to let's say Watford whatever yeah. we can get fifteen sixteen million pounds from maybe. I'm not concerned about that. But a seven million pound player at his age is is quite unusual because I think we've said this before. We, we've been doing a transfer window podcast for on Patreon, and we talked a little bit about that. And we said that it's what is a seven million pound player in this day and age because it tends to be now that you're either a teenager and you're worth maybe five or six million pounds, 
um, if you're anybody mm-hmm. at this stage, or you're a fully established player and you're worth at least thirty million pounds. Yeah. So I don't really know what a seven million pound player in the shape of Julian looks like talent wise. It remains to be seen. I'm in no way writing the guy off. No, no, no. not am I. I'm just picking up on some negatives. Yeah. Just, just an, the only reason I'm doing it is maybe in an effort to balance the conversation That's because what we're here for. because online <laughs> and you guys are quite positive about it, and I just want to balance it off a wee bit. Another thing that's that's got me curious is this guy who brought in Nicky Hammond yeah. to, to, to assist with the plan. Something. Something. That <laughs> assist with recruitment in yeah. some way. But he came in after we paid for Julian and after we paid for Bombo, if I remember correctly. Mm. These guys were scouted last year, so is he working on next year's recruitment? What, what exactly is he doing? We're on the verge of signing a player called Hatem El Hamed, who is represented by Neil Lennon's favourite agent. <laughs> Dudu. Dudu yeah. Dahan, who by all accounts, um, I was actually talking to someone today who was talking to Beram Kayal about this guy. Right. Um, Beram Kayal says he can play right back, mm. but I've only ever known him as a centre-half. Right. Yeah, and, and, and do you know who the last player to come from Israel that was mostly a centre-half but could also play right back? Effie. <laughs> Effie. <laughs> now, I'm not comparing them. That, that yeah. was just a wee joke. But what yeah. I'm saying is, I hope this guy is maybe going to be brought in as the solution to our right-back problems that just so happens to be represented by Neil Lennon's favourite agent. I'm just spotting these wee things again. Like, they just don't stack up. Things are no stacking up the way it should be. And, and finally, and we make this mistake, Stephen, how many years have we been doing this podcast now? Four? Four. Coming up on four, we are now entering our fifth season. We're taking season. those first steps into our fifth season, yeah. And um, by the way, is anything good after five seasons? The Wire, my favourite TV show of all mm. time, that took a right dip in the fifth season. So, well, I, I didn't. Was it the what was the one that was all about the boats and the shipyards? Was that the second season? That was the second one. Didn't you like didn't that like so that, much? Right? No, fifth one is generally considered to be the worst. So that those so ours is going to be the best, yeah. incidentally. <laughs> um, I say that because every year we look over the Clyde, we go, Rangers are doing business. And, and then every year it, it transpires that everyone they sign is an absolute turkey. It's slightly different nowadays with Rangers because they're not doing that Warburton thing where they're going out and get Joey Barton and who's that? Uh, Cranchard. Cinder, <laughs> Cinder, Cinder. 2006 is Nico Cranchard. And the, the, the problem is though, despite, forget Rangers, because I had a look, Celtic have signed the lowest amount of players of anyone in the Premier League. Is that right? Uh-huh. <laughs> So it doesn't matter right. what, uh, it's just again, we seem to become up this unique Celtic problem that no one's ever explained to me why it's so difficult for us, the richest, best, yeah. most successful team in the country to get bodies in the door. Also, I've not looked at the figures, but there's probably a fair case for us to have been, get, to have got rid of the most as well. We've probably well, lost the most. We players. have, yeah. I mean, we've lost, and just look, most of it's Deadwood, but if you want to discuss any of it as I move through, just say, okay, stop. Um, Marvin Comper, any Ech. takers on him? <laughs> nope. Yusuf Malumbu, any Ech. takers on Malumbu? Mika Lustig, I suppose we have to give some time to Mika Lustig. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not obviously, Stephen, as you said, discussed him on the Transfer Window Patreon podcast, but this is the, the, the bread and butter. We need to give Mika's due because he'll probably listen to this. <laughs> yeah. um, t- t- terrific servant for the club. Absolutely. Yeah. At times, a sensational player for, well, sensational's maybe over-egging it a wee bit, but at times a good player for his, started to wane toward the end of his career, which is fair enough. You know, he, he was no spring chicken when he left, but he came, he won every single league, and he left nothing but a winner. Came, he saw he conquered. He did. But it was time he came, to go. He saw he conquered. <laughs> <laughs> it was time to go, and we all knew he was leaving last season, so you think, oh, he's away, Gamboa's away, we're clearing the decks, all the right-backs, big Jeremy. <laughs> And nothing. 
absolutely nothing. And we've got Anthony Ralphs. And you think maybe he'll get a chance. Competitive game comes around. Nope. So that's worth talking about for the the Sarajevo games as well, because that was a real surprise to see him not feature at all, given that he is the, quite literally the only right back in the squad and he didn't feature. I think that's a, a big um, sign for Ralston going forward. I'm not saying he's not going to play at all, but if he's not trusted to play against Sarajevo at home, who is he going to play against and what what level of player is he? I'd, again, I'm, I'm absolutely not writing off Tony Ralston, but I, I, I kind of need to see something from him soon. I think I think you're fair enough to write off Tony Ralston. So, you know, <laughs> no, we, no, can, no, no, no. we all agree, Michael Lustig, great, great, great seven and, and goes with high regard. Doris de Vries, okay, see you later. Emilio Zagiri, the original red flag on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Christian yeah. Gamboa left, Scott Allen left, nothing to talk about there. Dedrick Boyata, he was itching to go for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no doubt about it. I should have. That where, do you been... rate, where do you rate him? Because again, he was a Steve Miller. He was a bit of a a contentious issue. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of people saying he was garbage, and they were great to see the back of him. Me, on the other hand, as much as he wasn't a good player, I think he excelled much like everyone else under Brendan Rodgers, yeah. and I think he was Brendan Rodgers' best centre half for most of the time over the PCL yeah, yeah. I would agree with that definitely I think we've had better defenders Benkovic is a better defender than Boyata but over the, the three seasons we're talking about I think Boyata is definitely the best the best of that lot um, he came out of nowhere as well came out of nowhere under Brendan Rodgers I think we'd all written him off under Ronnie Dyla disappeared for a long time with some injuries and, and obviously thrown the huff yeah yeah of course there, there was that as well but he was a good player I don't want to get too carried away and say he's, like, he's amazing and all this but he was neither amazing nor terrible I think terrible is well overstating it as well Deji Boyata was a, a good defender and at times during last season when he came back into the team I thought he was excellent towards the end of last season but I don't I, I know I've just said I wouldn't call him excellent but I think at times he was capable yeah. of it at times not so much Melly, what do you think of his move though? Hertha Berlin, it's not really. It's not, I mean, it's a sideways move, if anything. He's probably getting more money, but. Probably, I think they finished mid table in the German League. Really disappointing. I've been to see them, it's a good stadium, doesn't get filled. Fans here are different, but. It's, I don't know. It's, time will tell whether it's a big loss or not, because if Julian's in any way decent, he'll easily replace him. Yeah. But we've lost Boyata and. Benkovic and we've so far we've only brought in one replacement and with the the other Dudu's boy coming in as well that'll be the two replaced but on paper do I think Julian and the new guy or Benkovic and Boyata I'd probably go with Benkovic and Boyata's more quality in it now Julian might turn out to be better than the two of them which would maybe subsidise it but Boyata was decent but he had some absolute howlers <laughs> in big games as well so if Julian's in any way good it should be fine um, other people who are sort of linked with exiting the club, we need to talk about this as well. We'll start first with Callum McGregor. Um, there's been rumours about Callum McGregor, first of all, wanting to go down to Leicester. Paper talk, mate. Lazy Some, journalism. Lazy journalism. A lot of it is paper talk. But again, Stephen, no smoke without fire. You know, there's a lot of chat that him and Neil Lennon don't particularly see eye to eye, that he's mm. a good friend of Brendan Rogers and they admires what Brendan Rodgers done to encourage his career how big a loss would he be if he were to go enormous almost as you know I think it'd be a bigger loss than Kieran Tierney 100% and really agree with you. it would be the really arguably the biggest loss to the squad overall maybe Edward is, is up there with him but I think Callum McGregor as far as a football from a football perspective I think he'd be an enormous loss 
Um, I really wouldn't like to see that. I'd, I've kind of made my peace with the Kieran Tierney thing. I think we've been talking about that for a long time. It's gone a little bit quiet. But the thing with that is, I'm not. I'm now no longer concerned about Arsenal. It's other teams that, mm. that might come in. They, they might see Arsenal faffing about with this all what summer are long. Doing? Yeah, I, I'm, it's not. It's it's not my concern what Arsenal, how Arsenal conduct their business. But it's pretty clear that they're they're making a real horlicks of this, a real faff. But I'm. I'm looking over my shoulder at Spurs, Man City mm. have now need a left back for the start of the season. Spurs are supposedly letting Danny Rose go, so it's no it's Arsenal only the be all and end all. Kieran Tierney will be a player in demand. But just to go back to what I was saying about that, Kieran Tierney, I've kinda made my peace with it. Mm. I think it's been going on a long time. It's been all very quiet from his point of view. I don't expect him and I don't he doesn't always to come out and say one way or the other what's happening with it, but I've, as I say, I've kind of come to terms with that. The McGregor thing, I think, would be a huge loss. I think it would be a real missed opportunity to to not really see the best out of Callum McGregor. We we still wax lyrical about that, that time he spent at the base of midfield and mm. think it was the best football he played all season. I think to not for him to go and for us not to see any of that, I think, would be a, a huge loss. Melly, who'd be the biggest loss for you? KT in this proposed move to Arsenal or McGregor? Why are you asking me these sort of questions? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to try get an emotional response out of you. Just that last bit. Just cut it out because Cal McGregor's going nowhere. <laughs> we've done that. We've. Can we no, just? Do you know, know what? Do you know what we're not. going to ban on this podcast, Stephen Melly? He's going nowhere. Chat. <laughs> we got our hands burnt big time with that before. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> well, I don't see him being linked with Leicester a lot at all. I think it's just people putting two and two together because. They've just brought in Telemans. He's brought in the type of players he wants. I don't think he's looking for another midfielder, so I don't see that happening at all. Maybe possibly down the line, but Celtic, we can't afford to sell Cal McGregor. Tierney, it's a different story. We've got in somebody tiny to replace him, but hopefully as competition. There's no need to sell Tierney, but if an offer comes in, we accept it. He gets offered something, there's something to think about. Don't see McGregor going... There's no way we can sell Tierney and McGregor in the same window, so it just won't happen. Tierney, McGregor and Cham, Rogic, sell them on the one window. That's, 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 it can't happen, obviously, no. Um, you, you said him, Stephen, and Cham, very vocal about wanting to go. Apparently he was misunderstood. He wanted to go last season. He threw the huff that was rumoured. Turns out it's probably true. You sell him, don't you? Yeah, the, the thing is, Stephen, that came out about his, uh, his comments that he'd made about you know the, the league not being of a, a standard and it, whether he was um, misunderstood or mistranslated or not the thing is none of us were surprised that when it came out yeah. it's not as if we were going oh my god what and Cham said what about Scottish football we were all like well I obviously he's wanted it for a long time so much like the Tierney thing I've made my made my peace with that I don't think it would be a huge wrench to see Encham go. I, I would be hugely disappointed because I'd, I'd like to see the best of Encham here as a footballer, but I don't. at this point I don't see it coming. Well, you need to wash your hands of Encham, don't you, Melly? You're no, never no, going to see no, the best. No, oh, no. here we go. <laughs> no, no. Oh, but I told you I watched that DVD and I'm all over Encham. <laughs> see that through ball to Tierney and he crossed it for Griffiths against Anderlecht. Anderlecht, yep. The goals, the penalty. Know, but he's never going to give us that again. He need to let it go. No, he can, he can. He can get back to that. The thing I worry about is, say, one of Tierney goes, we cannot go into this, so we're talking about, well, Scott Sinclair's not getting a game, sell him, Kieran Tierney, looks like he's going to go, and Cham's going to go, or people are in for Rogic. That is quality being ripped from the squad that we are not going to replace. Wales haven't 
to replace other parts mm. of the squad can't happen we can sell one big player this window and that's it I'm, or I'm, else you kiss goodbye to the league I'm I'm very I'm nervous about the league just the oh, way the way things are shaping up there's, there's been a few red flags and you can sort of ignore some of them, but as they start to build up, you you mentioned Sinclair. Just I just want to wrap up with Sinclair. I'm worried that what we're doing to Sinclair is that thing where you've got a player in your team who's getting paid too much money. Mm, don't and, care. He scores goals. I know you don't care, Melly, but I'm saying I think the board are looking at him, going, "We can maybe get him off the wage bill here. Try and find alternatives." Now, good luck finding a twenty goal a season winger on cheaper wages Peter I, I, I absolutely agree with you and I think Lewis Morgan done okay he's done okay pre-season done well um, in the Sarajevo game at home but he's not Scott Sinclair nope. he's not, okay he's he, not good enough aye, that, that, is, that is not a Scott Sinclair um, another one you know whilst we're dis- while I'm discussing red flags and odd things Danny Simpson now whatever you think of the guy he's neither here nor there obviously you don't necessarily want people of that ilk associated with the club but let's shelf that for a moment invited on trial last week the trial cancelled this week. Hmm. Seems seems like a strange one, unless perhaps he's injured or something's came up. But to me, it had the, the again, air of irregular. a it had the air of a kind of testing the water uh, thing with the fans. Maybe think? announce that kind of thing, see how it plays out. I think that they maybe saw that there was a huge amount of ill will about that kind of thing, and maybe just decided to pull the plug on it. I don't know how serious it was. Hmm. I don't know how far it got to the the trial thing, but it seemed like a seemed like a gore. But again, it's just a, a strange one. I'm just scrambling about for free transfers to see who. Yeah, he's been available, yeah. someone. Like, you, know. you know what I mean? That that is what's strange to me. You know, you you scrambling about. Oh, we can maybe get Danny Rowe. I've got a phone call here. We can get him up, and he can. You know, it just it was a regular to me. And on that, we shall end this very much pre-season episode of Twenty Minute Tim's Red Flag Daft. <laughs> Red Flag Daft. Um, things might change. You know, I might loosen up throughout the pre-season. We're going to be doing this, Stephen. Every single Monday, this is when this podcast comes out. Yeah. Monday Night Podcast is back up and running. Melly, you mentioned something earlier on called Melly the Match. For those who don't know, this isn't what Melly does, just refers to himself every time he goes to a football game. <laughs> Hate it. Hate this is our instant reaction podcast where we record right after the game and you'll be doing that again when? Well, before, during and after. It's well, sort of um, essentially live coverage from the stadium. Well, uh we record, we get together on the way to the game, um, record a little bit of pre-match thoughts and so on. And there's some some audio from in and around the stadium and then we reconvene after the game. This is um, coverage for every home game of the season. So that's it. Instant reaction, as it is every home game of the season, outright oh, yes. after the game, available on Patreon. And we've got plenty more great content coming up on the Patreon. We'll release it out over Twitter. We've definitely got the Friday phone in the, yeah. for the treble tier. <laughs> Put your calls and questions to us every second Friday. And on that, we shall wrap up. You can find us on iTunes, Android, online, Spotify, Celtic News Now app. Basically anywhere you get your free podcast, just search 20 Minute Tims and make sure you subscribe to get it the minute it comes out. Also, if you could leave us a little review, that would be most helpful. We get some funny ones, we get hilarious ones and we tend to tweet those out if they come with some sort of office reference. Those are the ones we like. Uh, It really helps us. It It helps us out quite a lot. So if you haven't, already then please do leave us a five star review on itunes and finally as discussed the patreon you can check that out at patreon.com slash 20 minute tims thanks for listening flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.